0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Liz Collin Reports, where we are focused on the final countdown to the midterm elections. My guest today is Hamlin University political science professor David Schultz, who is safely pulled over in his car. We know it's a very busy time of the year for you. So thank you so much for making the time to to join us today for your analysis.
1: Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having me again. Thanks to the audience.
0: But I do want to Start with uh, statewide races and and move on from there, Mr. Schultz. But what are your predictions uh, for next week? Will some statewide offices go red in Minnesota?
1: I think they will. At this point, what I'm sort of seeing as of November 2nd is that it might very well be a split between the DFL and the GOP, Democratic and Republican parties. Right now, the polls are suggesting that the governor, Tim Waltz has a slight lead um, over Scott Jensen and that the secretary of state also has a slight lead, um, Steve Simon, over Kim Crockett. But the other two races involving the attorney general and the state auditor – at this point, I'm thinking it looks pretty clear that Jim Schultz, just for disclaimer, no relationship, that Jim Schultz looks like he's got a, a pretty good lead and it also looks like the Republican challenger for the state auditor might very well win. So this could be the first breakthrough for Republicans statewide going back for what you know quite a few years.
0: And to focus a bit more on the race for governor, it's kind of been all over the board. Just months ago, one poll alone showed Governor Tim Walls leading Dr. Scott Jensen by 18 points. Our latest poll here at Alpha News with uh, the Trafalgar Group showed a narrow lead for Jensen. Re- Real clear politics says it's a, a toss up now, but talk strategy when it comes to uh, that campaign. They did things very different differently. Do you think Governor Walls you know, can pull this off when for so long it seemed he was almost uh, hiding from from the people of Minnesota?
1: Well, first off, I was going to say I never believed the poll that said he had a 17 point lead. I mean, that seemed ridiculous that if we go back four years ago, the governor won by about 11 points and it was a very, very good Democratic year. Um, Take us now four years later, which is not a good Democratic year. I would be surprised if he had had a lead greater than what he won by four years ago. So I was always thinking maybe upper single digits at most. And what's really happened in the last few weeks, and it really has closed. And it's closed because a couple of different things. One is that the most important issues that most voters are interested in right now are the issues of of the economy. And sometimes they break it down to saying inflation versus economy, but economy is first, and then crime is second. And Governor Walz has not had a very good uh, really sort of set of answers on either of those issues. And in fact, if you look at the polls, um, the polls really don't like where he is on those issues. And what he's tried to run on is a combination, like the Democrats, of just talk about abortion. And then also, I think he's tried to uh, somewhat hide from debating. I sort of describe what Waltz has been doing is the, uh, the football team that's sitting on a lead or thinking it's sitting on a lead you know, in the fourth quarter and trying to coast through? And I think that's what he's been trying to do versus Scott Jensen, I think, has been very aggressively moving. And I think it's helped him quite a bit. Your poll, again, or rather I should take Trafalgar, Trafalgar poll, um, was very encouraging. But I think polls only tell us something. The fact that in the closing week, the Republican Governors Association has decided to put in another $750,000 into the Minnesota governor's race tells me an awful lot. That unless they know, unless they're stupid, and I don't think they are, they're going to put money in where they think makes the most difference. And I think right now they're viewing this is still a race that potentially can be won by Scott Jensen.
0: The title of your blog last week, "Route and Route." What happens to Minnesota Democrats on and after Election Day 22, I thought was quite eye opening. But you talk about the real possibility of a GOP controlled state legislature and governorship the first time, as you point out, more than 35 years. Um, But talk a little bit more about that. If the Democrats lose, why that will be.
1: Okay. what? Well, first off, again, there's a lot of things going in the Republicans favor this year, statewide and nationally. But if we think about um, sort of the, the why issue, why would the Democrats lose? And again, I come back to something I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, is that they seem to be unable historically to really address the issues of of what I call the most basic issues of politics, public safety issues and the economy. And that's where they remain vulnerable. And that's the most important issue for the Democrats, or rather if I should say for the the public in general, including in Minnesota. So I think in part it has been this idea of, 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 of not issuing really well. I think also there's a sense in which the Democratic Party in Minnesota is oftentimes very much captured by the Minneapolis St. Paul, by very, very liberal individuals that don't really speak to the rest of the state. If we look at the, the map in Minnesota we've got 87 counties in the state. The Democrats in a good year in recent years are winning maybe 15 counties. Geographically, they're not the majority party. And the numbers in terms of party affiliation have really narrowed. And so I think it's a combination of oftentimes being a little out of touch. It is about the fact that I think the Democrats have been Complacent, I think oftentimes i thinking that this is the same Minnesota that it was 50 years ago. So a variety of things I think are coming together. And the warning signal should have been what? 2016, when Donald Trump almost beat Hillary Clinton in Minnesota. And I think Democrats have just been, again, that's the word of the day, complacent.
0: You you have a quote uh, in your blog, David, where you say to state clearly the DFL and walls may have a message out of touch with most Minnesotans who are nowhere near as progressive as the metro area or core Twin Cities activists. Uh, so we're we're seeing that here in the final days where they're spending their money and and where they're spending their time. A viewer emailed us this week. And I thought brought up an interesting uh, point for us to dig more into the stubbornness of Minnesota voters to only vote for Democrats in statewide elections, even pointing out that Minnesota is the only state to vote against Ronald Reagan in 1984, of course, uh, with the Walter Mondale tie in there. But this view- viewer pointed out that many of these stubborn Democrat voters carry themselves in more areas of their life in more conservative ways, yet they seem to, to vote liberal. But he wondered if it's baby boomers pining off the days of Hubert Humphrey, Uh, and thinking that all Democrats today are are like him.
1: I think that's a good observation. One of the things that I've noticed over time is that the Democrats sort of still live in the, Kind of in a past, you know, if you think about they're still looking back to the days of Walter Mondale, Hubert Humphrey, Paul Wellstone, maybe Eugene McCarthy. And Minnesota is a very, very different state um, um, as opposed to that period. And the Democrats are very different. And I think one of the other things that Democrats oftentimes miss, and again, go back to a point I made before, is that the urban cores are very different than the rest of Minnesota. If I can tell a brief story here, I was in um, Eveleth, Minnesota earlier this summer for vacation, kind of sort of traveling through. And if you look at every restaurant, every sh- store there, it has a sign out front that says support mining. Now, whether having more mining is a good idea or not, it's not my call here. But what the point I'm getting at is people in the Twin Cities, the Democrats, are opposed to mining and don't understand the the issues or the concerns or maybe the livelihood of people in places like the Iron Range that used to vote Democrat. And so even people who at one time considered themselves to be Democrats, again, all those people up in the Iron Range in greater Minnesota, they're feeling like, well, they're not being listened to, they're being ignored. They don't fit in where the Democratic Party is now. And that's why I think what's happening is the shift. The shift that we're seeing in Minnesota is a shift that's occurring across the country. And if we look at data from 2016-2020 presidential race, we're starting to see working-class America um, move away from the Democratic Party into the Republicans. And this is a problem for Democrats because if they're the party of of just, let's say, college-educated elites, they miss a large chunk of the population in Minnesota and nationwide.
0: And focusing on the Minnesota legislature is interesting as well here, David. Republicans have a slim majority currently in the Senate, Democrats hold a small majority in the House. What do you think about, about that? Will will that change?
1: I think it will. First off, I see no chance that the Democrats will flip the Senate. That's firmly in the Republican control. Um, They might, Republicans might even pick up a couple more seats. And at this point, you know, barring something totally unforeseen in the closing days, the Republicans are going to pick up the House of Representatives. If we think about it, the House is down to about 10 races. And when I look at those 10 races, most of them are leading Republican. And in the Senate, Senate I'm just going to say it's not even competitive. The Republicans have it. So I think the most likely scenario right now is going to be that the Republicans control both the House and the Senate. And there is still a chance that the Republicans can pick up, up the governorship. And if they were to get that trifecta, it's, it's again, significant implications for Minnesota and for Democrats, which is why I use the phrase route R O U T. R-O-U-T-E, or ROUTE, R-O-U-T, because potentially the route is there. And I think it's all gonna come down to now voter mobilization. In these closing days, it's about which party is going to do the best job to get its base out to vote.
0: And just real quick, uh, you know, widening the lens here, many of the same storylines, as you mentioned, playing out across the country where Democrats were once favored in U.S. Senate races. Um, You talk about in your blog, like Georgia and Pennsylvania, those could also go red. You 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 feel like um, in the in these closing days for some of these same reasons.
1: I do. Again, if we were having a conversation six months ago, I would have said easily the, Re- the Republicans are going to flip the House and the Senate. They're still going to flip the House. For the last few months, it looked like the Democrats were going to hold on to the Senate, but in my most recent analysis. Um, The last couple of days, if I look at the nine critical Senate races in the United States, the Republicans are leading in six of them. And if they win those six, they've got 52 seats. And so today, again, on on November 2nd, I would say that the odds are that the Republicans flip both the House and the Senate and they have control of Congress.
0: All right. We shall see uh, soon enough. November 8th, we'll be here before we all know it, I'm sure. But thank you, Hamlin political science professor David Schultz. We appreciate your time so much. My
1: pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: And thank you for joining us. A programming note to stay tuned to Alpha News on election night where Kendall Qualls and I will be providing live analysis and election coverage online and on the radio with our friends at AM 1280, The Patriot. So stay tuned.